Welcome to the Nursing Home 411 podcast. I'm Eric Goldwine, your host from the Long-Term Care Community Coalition. You might have seen headlines about the Maryland Baptist Aged Home, the small black-owned West Baltimore nursing home that's beaten the odds and kept its case count at zero. On the show, I chat with the nursing home's administrator, Joanna Walburn, about the infection control practices and socially distanced activities that have helped keep Maryland Baptist residents safe and engaged during the pandemic. Enjoy the interview. Thank you for joining the Nursing Home 411 podcast, Joanna. It's really good to have you on. I know things are probably really busy for you. Yes. So. <laughs> so I want to start by having you describe what your nursing home is like. I understand it's a, it's a smaller facility. It's in Baltimore. Can you, can you give the, the listeners a bit of a rundown of, of how you describe the facility? Sure. Well, Maryland Baptist Aged Home. It's a um, small nursing facility. We're licensed for 29 beds and our current census is 23 at this time because we're not admitting anyone at this time because of the virus. One, we don't have a lot of space to, if you will, quarantine. If we would admit someone, there's not a lot of space to quarantine a person. So, we are under the Maryland Baptist Convention, and there's a, my boss, he's a pastor, he's CFO, but he's a pastor as well, Dr. Derek DeWitt, you may have heard his name going <laughs> back and forth, and uh, we have approximately 39 employees, part and, part and full-time, resident makeup, it's a diverse group of residents and staff. And, um, you know, it's, it's really a unique place. We're not fancy. We don't have all the chandeliers and all of that. But one thing we do have, we do give good, excellent care. You walk in the door and I'll never forget when I first, um, my interview, part of my interview, I walked in and I'm thinking, these folks, there's no way they knew I was coming, so they wouldn't have cleaned up and prepared. The place wouldn't be so fancy, shiny, and just no odors. And I'm thinking, hmm, they must be doing something right. They're probably, you know, number one, their residents must be well hydrated, and there's no cover-up of odor. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. And sure enough, I've been there almost three years, and they, the staff, they're just an excellent group of people. I really enjoy being there. Great. That, that's a helpful rundown. And we're going to go back in time to early March or late February or whenever it hit your radar. Do you remember how you first heard about the coronavirus and when it became apparent to you that this was something that was going to have an impact on how uh, on how you would care for the nursing home residents? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it was in early March, and I remember Dr. DeWitt, pastor as we call him, he um, 
you know, reached out. He always says, Miss Walburn. And he called and he said, we have to do something. Once we heard, we didn't believe it was a hoax. We heard a lot of things on the news and we heard it's a hoax. When we heard it's a hoax, we thought, oh, no, no, no. We have to put something in place. And then we started, of course, being concerned about PPEs because folks had passed on, they had died, and we heard that, and there was a lack of not sufficient PPE. So that was my biggest concern. And he said, I know it's rough, but do what we need to do. And so we started reaching out to like Amazon and different places to get supplies. And um, once we did that, we, you know, we felt a little bit, um, a little more comfortable. And we reached out to the staff. We pulled the staff together. We have a resident council and we pulled all the residents. At that time we were, you know, we didn't have them um, social distancing and dining room. So we had all our residents together, our staff, and we talked to them and said, look, we think this is pretty serious and we don't want this to hit. And of course, my thing to them was, you know, it's our safety. It's your life or residents, your family members. And this, it's important that we all come together and do this. And I said, it's not going to be life as we've known it. We're going to have to now wear a mask. We're going to have to be social distancing. We love to hug and greet people and all that. <laughs> that for me, that was just, I'm a hugger. And, you know, it was very, it was, at first it was difficult because now we know, oh my God, we're going to have to wear these gloves. We're going to have to wear a face mask. We're not in a bank of, you know, bank robbers or anything. We have to wear our face mask and do our hand washing. Hand wash, hand wash. I mean, our hands are, you have to. We did it even more. I'm not saying COVID was the only reason. We were always very big on infection control and making sure that the place is clean. Excellent group of housekeeping, environmental services staff. You should see our handrails. I tease them. I said, look, you guys have wiped all the stain off the handrails. What are we supposed to do? But they clean, clean, clean. So that being said, we went to work. I sent out um, notices to family members and, you know, some, not all of our residents have family members, but they have a, a person who, a representative. So we notified them. We got on the CDC. I remember getting on the CDC um, uh, and printed off information. We posted things on the doors. And when folks would come to the door, we said, no way. We notified volunteers and everyone, we stopped, no visitation. And from there, we just made sure all our residents and, and staff and um, no one, no family members. So, you know, we didn't have to worry about the outside coming in. And I know you know this, um, mm -hmm. but your facility has a good track record on infection control before before March. Um, before. So it sounds like you a lot of the infrastructure was already in place. In you place. had a, a full-time in, uh, infection prevention specialist, is that correct? Right. We did have a full-time infection control person, and she did. She laid the, the groundwork for 
you know, the hand washing, observing, not just the administrator, but every, all employees. And so she had things in place. So it was easy for us to continue knowing that um, even though she was no longer there full-time with us, we have a part-time person um, that we could continue. And hopefully this virus would just kind of bypass us. We know we had to do all the necessary infection control things that we needed to do, the hand washing and um, wearing the, the mask and the gloves and all that. Now, how do you communicate this to the residents? Uh, who, I'm, I'm, I suspect there's a range of cognitive abilities. Right. Um, and this is the most complex uh, virus that that I've that that have we've come across in our lifetimes and we're learning new things every day what we thought we knew in March uh, so many things have turned out to be different how do you communicate that and also how do you communicate the uncertainty of that to the residents well not all of our residents have cognitive deficits that they can't really understand what's going on they're very interested, uh, you know, I, I, I can remember several meetings and they would sit and they would ask questions. Are we going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? So what do we need to do? Well, um, it, it takes a team, a family, every person, myself, director of nursing, um, all the nursing assistants, um, activities, um, staff, um, nurses, it doesn't matter your title. Everybody got stepped up to a plate and got involved. And if we see someone, um, a resident in the hallway uh, without a mask, I usually call ourselves up the mask police. You know, I, I would say, Miss So and so, mask up. Okay. And they put that mask up and on their merry way. Um, it's, it's difficult at times to see that they're confined to their rooms, but, um, we have a great activities team and every, again, everyone just pitches in and making sure folks are not isolated. Right. And as far as, I mean, there are limitations on visitation, uh, are you doing uh, virtual visits? Is there any outdoor visits? What's being done? Um, and, and I also want to hear about the activities that you are doing okay. within the facility. So just recently, we started having the, I call it distance visit. Family members, the way the facility is, the location, there's kind of like a sidewalk and the res- there's a porch, so we would take the residents out to the porch, and the family member, they cannot come on the porch. They are more than six feet in distance, and they've done excellent with that. They've done very well, and not too long ago, there was a birthday party for one of our residents. Oh, my God, you would see all the people on the sidewalk across the street, and they just had a great celebration, and they understand we're trying to keep their family members and all the people who take care of them safe. And what's your, what's your personal favorite or what do you see as the residents favorite in-house activity during this time? They like to compete, believe it or not. Some of our residents, if you've never been in a nursing home and that's going to be one of the things I'm going to mention, folks should take time out to visit and to see what they're just don't think, 
oh, this so-and-so is in a nursing home, that's the end of life. It is not. They enjoy competing and winning prizes for playing bingo or activity staff. They do an excellent job with providing uh, one-on-one activities where you know they can, if you will, do artwork. And we just had an art show um, yesterday. And if you, they were so excited. She, they did it in their rooms. She put them in frames and posted them and displayed them. And of course, some of the staff, they went ahead and um, they were the judges and they announced the winners, first, second, and third. And, you know, I got on the loudspeaker and I thanked everybody for being a part of it. And I mean, they just, they, they loved it. Mm-hmm. I have a background as an activities director, so. Oh yeah, I think you. I think the the Baltimore, the Maryland Baptist Age Aged Homes mm-hmm. uh, case is such an interesting one yeah. uh, because we're seeing all these studies uh, about the role of community spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing uh, studies on the racial disparities mm-hmm. in COVID nineteen. And your your facility, it's in Baltimore. I believe it's a predominantly black and Latino. Right. I would guess that your staff is also, or is your staff predominantly black and Latino? Pre- predominantly black. Yeah, predominantly black. And what do you, nationwide, what do you make of the racial disparities and why they're happening uh, in nursing home settings? Oh my God! <laughs> I know, it's, well, it's a, you know, I, I always say it takes leadership. It takes a group of people who are committed, understanding that it's not about me, it's not about you. It's a whole group, and it's important that for our safety, again, we have to understand it doesn't matter. COVID doesn't know that I'm black. It doesn't know that next person is Filipino or whatever. So it doesn't discriminate. And um, regardless, you have to not only take care when you're in the nursing home, you have to be sure to take care of yourself when you're out, when you go home because you have family. When you go to the grocery store, remember to wear your mask and not just say, oh, well, I'm not at work because then you're going to take something back. You could possibly take something back. I, I, the disparity, I I struggle with it because I I think, uh, you know, yes, maybe some folks have issues that they've had underlying health issues, may not have the money to go to a doctor, no insurance. And of course, you know, they could, if they get sick, they may get COVID a lot easier than the next person who maybe has a history of going to the doctor and getting good health care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to explain it. And one of the what something I've been thinking about mm-hmm. more and more is the position that staff are being put in. It's a it's an incredible challenge. They're already uh, on a normal day. They're be right. <laughs> before the pandemic. They're working long hours. They're right. not. They're receiving uh, lower wages. Absolutely. And this is now a their job is now 24 7 not in that not in that they're in the facility 24 hours a day but their actions outside of the facility have right. direct implications on 
the well-being of the residents. What have you done as an administrator to keep everybody or to help keep everybody focused? Have we given bonuses of hundreds right. of dollars and all of that? We just did a, um, and it wasn't that much, but it was a bonus and we did it for all employees and they certainly appreciated it. But I, you would have to meet some of these folks. They're so committed to that facility. And of course, you know, what have I done personally? I wish I could do more in turn. And so just Dr. DeWitt, but the, the appreciation, the thank you, it's, you know, hey, that was really nice that you did that for Miss So-and-so. Oh my goodness, I heard the good news. How's your family? How, you know, you have to show people that you care. You have to let them know you, um, that you care. It can't be, um, well, you need to get to work on time. Obviously, that's true. You need to get to work on time but and do your job when you're there. But also, you know, we care. I care as a person. I wish I could give some of them hugs because we're, <laughs> that's what we're used to. And now we don't. And, you know, it's the same thing with the residents. They may come up and you just give them a hug and that just calms them down. And it's, it's difficult. That piece is difficult right now. Uh, it's also taken some resident buy-in in addition to, to right. staff buy-in. And it they all, like. they help each other as well. Mm-hmm. If Mr. So-and-so is in the, in the hallway and sitting in, his, in the doorway and he sees someone walking by, they're really supposed to be in their rooms, but it's kind of difficult. He would call out and say, Miss so-and-so, oh, you have to put your mask on. Miss so-and-so, oh, I think it's time for you to go back to your room and eat. And so it's, it's so many, uh, all of us just pitching in. It's not just, oh, well, it's on the nursing assistant or it's on the director of nursing, Dr. DeWitt on a weekly basis, every Wednesday, well, the last couple of Wednesdays, it's been so hectic. He calls in and again, he's a pastor and he prays over, we put him on the loudspeaker and he prays and all the residents look forward to it. They wheel up to the door and they wait and the staff, I mean, there are times when I know personally, maybe I was having just a rough day thinking, oh my God, I want to fix this, but I can't fix it. And I'll never forget something was going on one day and he called that Wednesday and I was, I, my anxiety just went away. And that's the kind of, those are some of the things that we do. We can't do the touching and all of that, but, you know, just him calling and saying, hey, how are you guys doing? You know, thinking about you and just letting residents know we understand it's difficult for some of them to be confined in their rooms. And I, th- I think I, re- I read this, it might've been in the Washington Post article, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Reverend Dewitt has not been actually going in no. the facility, correct? No, no, he stayed out, no. Yeah, yeah. which is a, a, that's, that's a, a sacrifice, it yes, sounds like. Yes, it is, he's, he's just got such a heart, he's like I am. We're passionate about what we do. And without a pa- without passion and a vision, the people sure enough will perish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he is, a, he reminds me of 
my um, old boss were many moons ago when I got into nursing home, Harvey Wortley, never forget that man. And um, Dr. DeWitt just, is just passionate about, there's no big I's and little U's. I mean, he will, um, prior to COVID, he would go and get the groceries, come back, and he's just another employee. So we're, we, we certainly appreciate him. And there are other members of the board who will call and greet us, um, especially when we have our weekly meeting for our staff. Right. Great. Well, that's, this is all really helpful to hear, really interesting to hear. We're going to close the interview with our recommendations. So I'm going to ask you for a, a nursing home or a health-related article or book or movie, and then something that's just general. So yeah, let's, let's hear them. Okay. So something that's general. Well, for the nursing home, I always, you know, I would say, when COVID is over, visit a nursing home, befriend an elderly person. So maybe you can't, um, we, we get a lot of support from the community. They can't visit, the volunteers from the church can no longer visit, but they certainly bring gifts for the residents and for the staff. So I would say if someone has never been in a nursing home, be a volunteer, go once a week, once a year, it doesn't matter. Um, and if you haven't read, which I haven't finished the book, please read the book by Mary Trump. <laughs> that's an excellent read. Okay, uh, that's a good wreck. Or at least I've heard it's a good wreck. I've, I've read some of the some of the write-ups and the reviews and the, yes. twi- the tweets about it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Right. And if someone were to, of course, there are many nursing homes out there mm-hmm. that, that need volunteers um, virtual at this point. Right. Um, but how would they get in touch Inbound. with with your with your um, with the Maryland Baptist? They could call us home. at four one zero nine four five seven six five zero. And you have my um, email address. Mm-hmm. We're doing quite a bit of pen pals, and that is working out so well. The residents enjoy it. Oh, I would, I would love to hear about that. So, oh, it, you would have to, pen our pals. activities director. She's fabulous. Every morning, she gets on the loudspeaker, and she reads um, a, a devotion from a book that she has. And then when we get letters um, from, let's say you sent a letter to the residents, she would read that on the loudspeaker. Oh my God. And, or she'll, if they say this is for a male, she would make a copy of it and give it to a male resident. And they write back and forth. It's, she's doing a tremendous job with that. Yeah. And I'm guessing there, there's been just a little bit of press coverage uh, for, for, for you um but i'm guessing these letters are starting to pour in yes we are (laughs) and yeah and it's a good thing and we're getting some donations and of course you know we were supposed to to build the new facility on the same block but of course we haven't done that yet and i'm hoping one of these days you know maybe maybe we will 
All right. Well, thank you so much. It was, it was you, good Aaron. to, good to hear from you. Thank um, you. And keep safe and keep the residents well. safe. And thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Nursing Home 411 podcast. To learn more about Maryland Baptist Aged Home, check out our show description, which provides links to articles in the Baltimore Sun, Washington Post, and NPR. You can download more episodes of our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and on our website, nursinghome411.org slash podcast. That's nursinghome411.org slash podcast. Our music is by Silverman Sound Studios. Till next time.